Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you to give us this beautiful Sunday morning. We worship here. And uh, more importantly, let's study your word. Please remind us that God does not show favoritism and uh, help us to put our faith into actions. Thank you, Lord. Bless our morning time. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. The book of James was written by one of the half-brothers of Jesus Christ. His name is James. Uh, the book was written around uh, 45 AD. This half-brother, James, didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus was alive. But the Bible says in, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, uh, this was happening after Jesus resurrected from death. The Bible says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So the verse said he appeared to James. After that point, this James was this uh, author, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, then James became uh, a believer. And later, he also became the leader of one of the churches in Jerusalem. So this was, this was the background. Um, the author of this book. The reason that James composed this book was to give a practical instruction of Christian faith to early believers. It's like a manual that we may turn to uh, from time to time. James was martyred around um, 62 AD when the Sanhedrins sentenced him to death. Why the Sanhedrins did so? Sanhedrins were a group of uh, religious leaders at that time because they thought James was uh, preaching heresy. They, they, uh, so they decided, okay, you have to stand in front of a large group of people confessing that you, you did wrong, you, confess, you, you preached heresy. However, instead, the historian Josephus said, James instead... Uh, loudly proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, and then James was stoned to death. So that was around 62 AD. The theme, as I said, it's a, um, a set of good instructions for Christian faith. We start to read chapter 2 today, but we may briefly review what chapter 1 says. At that time, the persecution on the believers already started. So James, in chapter 1, um, talk about how to survive in trials and temptations. And uh, the solution, of course, is to ask God for wisdom. Uh, in chapter 1, James already started to talk about the putting faith into action. This was in uh, chapter 1, 22 to the end. And, and we continue this theme. We will see the continuation of this putting faith into action in chapter 2. Now we can start to read chapter 2. First verse, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and a fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Uh, it is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are you not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Let's pause here. In the beginning, in his beautiful creation, God created man and woman in his image. We can turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This describes the beautiful creation of mankind in the beginning. Uh, we are glad to see in this church we have uh, diverse ethnic groups. We may have different uh, uh, dressing codes, but everyone is created equally in the image of God. So likewise, James reminded the early church do not show discrimination against any specific groups. In the Bible, other places also remind us how God does not show favoritism. For example, we can turn to Romans chapter 2, 11. Uh, let me read that for you. Romans 2, 11 says, For God does not show favoritism. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, the scripture says, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So we see God never shows favoritism because of your social ranks, because of your dress. Let's look at uh, yet a third place. It's, on, it's in Colossians chapter 3, 25. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So what God is looking for is our um, righteousness. It's not our uh, appearances. It's what really, what really matters is how, how you think and behave before God. Also, remember... Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes him as not a, a handsome man. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, the Bible says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So this is the uh, description in Isaiah about our Lord. Another good reminder. We can continue to read the uh, remaining verses. Let's start with uh, chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Oh, I have read this part, sorry. Let's continue with verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles just as just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but uh, do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So let's pause here. James, again, uh, used the teaching of Jesus Christ to remind us how we should treat other people. Verse 8 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. In other places in the Bible, Jesus uh, also cited this verse. We can turn to Matthew chapter 22, 34. This is uh, a conversation between the Lord and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Matthew 22, 34 says, uh, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So James is actually repeating a key teaching from Jesus Christ. There are many laws, uh, laws that are handed down from God, the Ten Commandments. But Jesus summarized all the laws into these two. Love the law and love neighbor as yourself. It is really challenging. We, we all are... Uh, at some point, we are, we are selfish. Perhaps never I could uh, love my neighbor as myself. But at least I, I pray that we, we try, even though people may not be that friendly to us. We try. And I think God will see our efforts. The same uh, conversation is also recorded in Mark 12. Verse 30, this is also a, a conversation between Jesus and those who came to test him. So verse 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So who are our neighbors? Everyone that comes to this church, uh, the visitors, the, of course, the brothers and the sisters, they are all our neighbors. James follow his, um, um, his verses in, in the few, first, few, first, first part of this chapter. Uh, remind the early church, okay, love your neighbors. There are several ways we may build up each other. That's also uh, a way to show our love. Not, not only to um, provide help for them, but there are opportunities that we may build up each other. For example, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, 
make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So this is a verse teaching us to be harmony with each other, to love each other. And uh, in Luke 22, for, uh, verse 31, the Bible records a, a story. Uh, it's a conversation between Peter uh, in other, uh, and Jesus. So the, the background was Jesus predicted that he would be betrayed and uh, be hanged on the cross. And uh, Peter, uh, his another name is Simon, said, uh, um, he, 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 he said he would never betray Jesus and he was willing to die with him. But Jesus said, uh, this is in chapter 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I think the, for me, in this context, the emphasis is the last verse, strengthen your brothers. Everyone, at his or her time, may face trials and temptations, we all need encouragement. This is a way to um, build up others, to strengthen your brothers and the sisters. So, in summary, this part, James, reminds us the teaching from Jesus, how we should truly treat our fellow believers and uh, um, others. We treat them like ourselves. We love them. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's continue with verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is a point that i like to um, elaborate a little bit more. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because no one can boast about our salvation. Everyone is a sinner. There are only two types of sinners. Sinners who are not saved yet and uh, sinners who are saved. But everyone is a sinner. Um, no matter how hard we work to be good toward others or to, to, to do good works, uh, such acts does not bring us salvation. And salvation is a free gift from the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can boast. Since everyone is a sinner, and many times we didn't act the way that the Lord asked us to do. So the Lord could obviously be very harsh on every sinner, but on the other hand, he still shows us his mercy. So remember this. Remember how we get saved and uh, we show the same merciful attitude toward our fellows. This is the, um, the final point of this first part. So for, in summary... James, in, in this chapter 2, verse 1, 
down to verse 13, he tries to teach the early church uh, no favoritism should be um, present in the church. Let's continue the second half. The second point is uh, we should put our faith into actions. The teaching about this part actually opens in the chapter number one uh, from verse 22 and uh, verse uh, down to verse 27. So, so to, to get a complete picture, we, I may quickly read that part and then we start to read chapter two, remaining verses. So um, James chapter 122, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what he says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep right rent on their tongues deceives themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and, window, uh, and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's continue um, this teaching in chapter 2. It begins with chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and uh, daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, um, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This part actually has an interesting parable spoken by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. It begins with uh, Matthew 25, verse 31. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people, from one, uh, separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say, to those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I need clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then... The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick 
all in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. This is a parable spoken by Jesus, recorded in chapter 25 of Matthew. The teaching by James is to persuade that the believers do not only claim that we believe in our heart, but let's put the faith into actions. In the Old Testament, um, Bible recorded a series of historical events in the kingdom of Israel. When the people was led by Moses into the promised land, they rebelled against the Lord. Um, they, they were in great fear. So the Lord allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. All that generation died. Only Caleb and uh, Joshua were allowed to enter the promised land. So maybe at some point in our lives, we are like those uh, rebellious, rebellious people. Of course, uh, in our hearts, we may, we may um, accept the fact that we need Jesus as our Savior. But uh, facing very difficult, very challenging environments, uh, for whatever reason, we may refuse to take our actions. So this is uh, another reminder. And then from the Old Testament, we see actually the, the faith of those Israel people decreased more and more significantly. At the time of Isaiah, this is recorded in Isaiah chapter 29, Verse 13, the Lord spoke through Isaiah saying, These people come near to me with, mouth, with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And then, after a, a few more kings, the Lord was so angry that he wiped out the kingdom of um, Judah from existence. So we all face challenges. How can we put our faith into actions? First of all, we should humble ourselves before the Lord. We recognize, okay, by our own strength, we cannot do um, many, many challenging things. But we humble ourselves before you. We, uh, we recognize that you are our bread, you are our source of strength, and you are our shield. In that sense, we are, get, we are going to get strengthened. And uh, it's not about ourselves. It's all about the glory of God. Jesus also talked about uh, the faith in different kinds of people. So in Mark chapter 4, Verse 1, he began to teach the kingdom using this parable. Verse 1 says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in, sat in it out on the lake, 
When all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places when it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were、um, scorched, and、uh, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, others,、uh, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ear to hear, let them hear. Many of us have heard the、uh, the word, and、uh, actually, I I reread this passage of Mark four、uh, when I preparing for today's review on James chapter two.、Uh, what what struck me is the this parable try to make analogy between those who heard the word and the, the ground. In the past, I was thinking.、Um, Have we been classified into different kind of soil before we heard the word? Then I think I, I changed my interpretation. Actually, it is our own attitudes that determines what type of soil we are. Because no one can say, "Okay, his or her life is easier than mine." Everyone is his or her own cross. There was a another、um, devotional article saying this. One one person feels that his burden was too heavy, and he prayed to the Lord, Lord, could you please change my burden? It's too heavy for me. And then in in the devotional article, the the, the Lord somehow allowed that person to to carry another person's cross. And then this person felt, oh, that that cross is too bigger for me. I'd rather return to my old cross to put on my old old cross. So yes, everyone has has troubles, challenges, temptations, trials.、Um, that that's true. We cannot say, okay, my life is much difficult than than much more difficult than yours.、Um, sometimes. Um, it, it really depends on on our attitude. That that's what I、uh, my inter- new interpretation of reading this Mark chapter four. So say,、um, how can we become the good soil? We don't worry about the environment. Here's another story. In 1952, there was an athlete. Her name was、um, Florence Chadwick. So at that time, there were also athletes swimming across the English Strait in in Europe. Between English Strait was is between France and、uh, the Britons. So there were athletes doing so at that time. So this Florence Chadwick tried to challenge.、Um, she decided to swim from the Catalina Island. 
toward the mainland coast of California. One morning, she had started her swim, and uh, she spent about uh, 15, uh, 15 hours already in, in the water. At that time, the weather was really foggy and chilly. She felt herself so exhausted, and then, regardless how, how hard her mom encouraged her, okay, her mom said, okay, keep on swimming, uh, you, you will make it, but, but she finally gave up and uh, begged people to pull her out of the sea. You know what? Later, she figured out, actually, she was only within less than half a mile to get to the shore. So the next day, during an interview, she told uh, uh, the audience, she said, all I saw was the fog which means she, she paid too much attention to the environment. And she continued, if I could have seen the shore, I thought I, could, I would have made it. I think that's many times uh, applied to myself. If we view we are in an environment with many thorns, like the, the seed flowing to the shallow soil, maybe they are thorns. If, if, if we really, I really pay attention to those thorns, I was... I've been scared very much. I couldn't allow the seed uh, to grow abundantly on me. But if we look at Jesus only and ignore everything that distracts us, maybe I, I could become a good soil. So this is how, how, how I would like to relate the teaching in these uh, verses 14, also to um, the parable spoken by Jesus. Now, with the faith, uh, we could put them to actions. James continued to elaborate with a few examples. Let's continue. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Understanding that we have to put our faith into actions, we should further think about uh, um, whether we are carrying out the will of God. So in Mark chapter 8, it records the story between Jesus and his disciples. The context was people were discussing who Jesus was. Some say he was Elijah, some say he was uh, John the Baptist. And then Jesus asked his disciples, what do you think who I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Uh, that, that was very good. And then, continuing in verse 33, this was after Jesus uh, foretell, foretold his disciples he would go to the cross. Then um, Peter said, never. Never that way, Lord. Verse 33, uh, the scripture says, But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So this is a, another um, cross-reference that uh, how we should view what's happening around us. 
we should view everything in the mind the, to the concerns of God, but not our own human concerns. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now James continued to um, give the audience a few examples to show how they demonstrate their faith through their actions. He said in, in previous verses, even the demons believe that and shudder. Uh, there's another place in the Bible when Jesus went to a tomb, uh, there was a certain person controlled by demons. So the demons make the person kneel down before Jesus and begged, uh, do not torment them. You see, the demons also shudder before the Lord. Then let's continue in, in verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that the person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and send them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's have a brief review of the two persons mentioned here, Abraham and uh, Rahab. Abraham is called the uh, uh, father of faith. He believed God, and he left his hometown toward uh, the land that the Lord showed him. If you measure the distance he traveled in today's map on the United States, it's like his hometown is in, uh, let's say, St. Louis. And then he traveled to as far as uh, uh, Tulsa in Oklahoma, and then to some, through some route to Atlanta. So, so you see, it's, it's in the old days. There's no cars. It's just by food and by camels, maybe, about... Uh, more than 2,000 miles, I guess, uh, 1,000 miles, that far. And uh, by the time he, he was dead, he never see the, um, the promised land. The only promise he, he received from God is, okay, your descendants are going to receive this promised land. And uh, it was. That's the striking evidence of the Bible. We are not believing in fantasies, in imaginations. There are evidence that supports our belief. There, was a, there is a nation called Israel today, and uh, although the boundary is, is uh, smaller than what is describing in ancient time, but it, it is there. 
Um, so this Father Abraham, when he was very old, around the, the age of um, close, close to, I think, 90 years old, he still had no son. And uh, his wife, Sarah, already is not able to conceive, if, if we view it from a human perspective. Only God can make a dead person alive. Uh, it happened when Abraham was 100 years old, he had his own son, Isaac. At that time, Sarah was 90 years old. But you know what happened? Then God told um, Abraham, okay, sacrifice your only son. Sacrifice him. This is a huge challenge, I think, to everyone. Because the only son, is, I think it's the most precious member in Abraham's family. So Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering, on a mountain, I will show you. And it took Abraham three days to travel there. Uh, he was serious. It's not a emotional feeling that Abraham was requested to sacrifice his son immediately. It took three days. Abraham could have changed his mind any time during that three-day period. So I think he was really seriously thinking what he was going to do on that three-day journey. Then in verse 10, they finally got to the place. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me, your son, your only son. So by this story, there were also many oil paintings. Uh, when, I, when I was not a believer, when I was a college student, I saw one of these paintings. Uh, it's called uh, The Sacrifice of Isaac. I, I don't remember the, 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 the author of that painting. But that described that, that this, this story. When Abraham was raising his hand, trying to slay his son, an angel grabbed his hand to stop him. People observe our behaviors. Pastor Roger said, when he was a missionary in Philippines, uh, he and his wife bowed down to pray for their food in a restaurant, and they put their wallets on the table. Some thief came and, and uh, took away their wallet. And uh, Pastor Roger and Jenny knew their neighbor, the, the people sitting on the next table, uh, uh, were, is a, as a couple of uh, Mormon missionaries. And, they, and Pastor Roger knew that that couple was watching the reaction of Roger and Janet. So people are watching. I myself is not a person who is eloquent in speech. Uh, and I attend several classes about uh, raising children. 
One of them told me this story. He said, people may observe the change of your life and the behavior of your children. There were two households. Uh, one is Christian, the other one may not be a believer yet. So the two families had their children play together on the grass. Uh, by some time, it may be the dinner time, so this father came to his children, uh, calling her, honey, uh, sweetie, come home for dinner. And uh, his child was really obedient. She stopped playing immediately and uh, went to his father. So uh, what was happening shocked uh, this neighbor because this neighbor's daughter was not that obedient. She would drag, she would uh, fight just to deny the um, commands from his father. And uh, this neighbor became very curious, asking this man, how could you do that? So you see, he opens a door to introduce how Christ has changed the way we live, how we lead our families. Um, so this is a story of our Abraham, the, the father of faith. He put his faith into actions, and uh, there was blessing upon blessings as a consequence of his obedience. Next person is Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite woman. She used to be a prostitute, the, the one that most people despised. The background was when Joshua lead the people into the promised land, he sent out two spies to scout the land, especially the big city, Jericho. People in that area, of course, they, they view the Israelite people as uh, invaders, and the, the Jericho people shut the door. They built high walls. By human means, it's not easy to get into the city. The people reported to the king of Jericho, there were two spies coming to this land. And the king ordered that um, his people should hand over the two spies to be executed. Now, these two spies was hidden by Rahab, uh, that prostitute of Jericho. And uh, Rahab also deceived the pursuers. The two spies had gone away in another direction. But however, she hid the two spies in the roof. Also, later, Rahab also told the spies the correct way to escape and uh, forced them into a covenant. The covenant was to protect the family of Rahab when the people of Israel, uh, the Israelite people, captured this city. And then Rahab explained to these two spies why she did so to protect them. So in other words, she first protected them and then explained why. This Rahab used to be, if, if you view from um, the perspective of uh, warfares between two countries, uh, viewing Israel as one country, the Jericho people as the other, Rahab belongs to the Jericho part. Uh, she should have uh, acted in a way that is to the interest to the king of Jericho. However, she stand with the uh, Israel people. 
She explained why she did so. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 8, uh, this is the, uh, the, the word that uh, spoken by Rahab. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and uh, on the earth below. So Rahab expressed her belief in the, more, in the Almighty God. Although she is part of the residents of, uh, of Jericho, but uh, she chose to obey the Lord God Almighty. And her actions had consequences too. She saved uh, her entire family, her mother, her father, her uh, brothers and sisters, herself, and also one of the two spies later married her. And uh, she became uh, part of the motherhood in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is uh, the, another evidence that actions comes together uh, as an outcome of the faith. There are, of course, many more examples. We have uh, seen Noah, when every, every person in that area uh, enjoys uh, short-time pleasures or make fun of Noah, he obeyed God. God asked him to build an ark uh, in a dry land, maybe. Everyone mocks him, but uh, Noah still continues. This is uh, putting faith into actions. And uh, we also have Gideon. Gideon was a man in, in a small tribe. At some point, there were about uh, 130,000 Midianites and Eastern people coming to invade the land. But Gideon, the Lord said, Gideon, you only took 300 people with you. Okay. Otherwise, you're, you're, if you... Uh, got victory, you will become uh, too proud, saying, okay, by my own strength, I defeated them. But with only 300, it's very obvious. It's not a, 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 a mission that's done by humans only. It's from the Lord. So, uh, in this chapter 2, James tries to teach the early church Two points. Let's have a conclusion. One is that we we know we do we sh we should have show um, we shouldn't have shown favoritism toward any specific group of people, and uh, let's put our faith into actions. There are many examples in in this Bible. Many people in this Bible, from Noah, Abraham, Gideon, Rahab, and David. It's like. Uh, how you build up your faith, you observe these many examples. Each time when the Bible introduces such and such person, you observe um, the consequence 
of his obedience to God, his actions. And there are numerous such people. Finally, is a question for ourselves. Are we going to view the thorns, the fog around us, or are we to look upon Jesus, our Lord only? And it's also important to remember we can only carry out our faith into actions when we humble ourselves before God. It's not about any of us. Many events were decreed by the Lord long ago, and He is bringing them to pass. We are part of this history, part of His family. Um, we should feel very blessed, but also um, humbling ourselves. So this is uh, a review of uh, James chapter 2. Uh, let's close it with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for opening up the word before us. We, um, we lift our eyes onto you and uh, focus on the mind of God, but not on our human concerns. And let's build up each other, and uh, we live in harmony. We are one church, one body. Keep on leading this church, your church, please, Lord and bless everyone um, in, in the new week. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.